Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the sports right here on this Wednesday, November the 16th, 2022. Good to have you all here uh, for our midweek show after a little day off yesterday. Um, good to have you back on on uh, back on back the saddle, so to speak. Uh, we have an interesting show, a little college basketball, some baseball, a little football, some nice little mixture after an all-football Monday. Um, so we're going to get the ball rolling as we always do because we got a lot to talk about here today. Um, get the ball rolling as we always do. First off, I'm reminding you all the ways which you can interact and contribute to the show and have your voice. You can do so by emailing us at thesportsman.com. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you can interact with us. Keep us going the show and have access to contact web producer post search for the sportsman on Facebook and Twitter so you can do all that and more. Um, we're going to start off today with a little football because I do think, you know, I do think as I plug in my headset, hopefully you're able to hear my wasn't uh, on, apparently. But I was close up to the speaker, so hopefully you guys guys and girls out there still heard me. Um, so we're going to start off with the football, because I think 
that um, that is the big story, at least for the last couple of days. Even again, we got college basketball to talk about a pretty, uh, I would say, decent baseball, impactful baseball signing. Look, we sat here, we sat here for a number of weeks, um, in October, you know, when it became apparent how good this Eagles team was, because obviously we came into the season talking about the offense. We saw how good the offense was last year. It was a reason why they, they had the success that they did, particularly in the back end of last season. Um... But we, it, but it was always a question of the defense, right? And you can, I mean, it, it was, it was always that question. Could they do Kansas City and a lot of other teams have done over the years, which is get enough out of their defense where they can win, win a lot of games and be a, a major factor. And they exceeded that. They, their defense proved to be much better than we all thought it was. And that's when we, you know, we started. Once we realized that, we're like, okay, the sky. This, this once we realized that the sky's the limit with this team. Yeah, and we start. I, I said this on on year. I didn't think they're going to lose till after Thanksgiving. I really didn't. But one thing I did not expect is that this Washington, the Washington Commanders would improve by leaps and bounds as quickly as they did. This was a team in the middle of October that was trying to deal with the contra- the controversy that was uh, Dan Schneider, Schneider and, and everything that was going on with that. You had coach quarterback situation where you know Ryan Rivera was making. You don't know what you're gonna get out of Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is injured. Hard to see because you look at the rest of the NFC. The Giants are better. The Cowboys are better. The Eagles are obviously doing really well. But they had reached a pretty bad spot, right? And then they start to turn it around. They go to Heineke, who last year did did some good things for them, and they all of a sudden go on moving on run. That's the, they're gonna fall apart again. They go again. They go into t- uh, Monday Night Football against the Eagles, and you're like, "Well, there's no way. There's no way. It's not the game the Eagles are gonna drop." Well, look. The one thing I said all along with Washington, even when they were at 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 the at the bottom of the heap, okay, their defense is pretty solid. Their their defense can do some things, and they showed you that on Monday Night. Their defense was great. It was the Eagles, who had done so well at not beating themselves, always playing smart, not forcing things, taking what the defense gives them. Well, they they turn the ball over, and you give the I, I actually give the Washington defense more credit than 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 than, than I give criticism of the Eagles. I think Washington created a lot of those things. Yeah, the Eagles did not play their best on Monday night. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities. They weren't as sharp as they've been, you know. And I think when you play against the you know, a team that's forcing takeaways like Washington, you know, if you're not going to play sharp in the moment where you do have the football, that's going to add to it. So, I, I think, yeah, a lot of it was that the Eagles did not play great. But I give Washington credit. Their defense played very well. And the takeaways were a big part of the game. They really were. And and I think that was the reason for the, the, the win. Their defense stepped up. Look, look, Heineke's done a good job for them. He really has. And, and their offense isn't terrible. But I think it is better at Heineke. If I were them, I'd stick with him. You stick with the hot hand. I mean, if, if anything that we learned in the past 
I mean, I, I, I mean, I know you went once in, or went to the guy. He'll be a hundred percent healthy, especially when he's coming off an injury. So, you know, I, I don't like the Bulls over. He's done very well with Heineke. This is not a situation like Dallas had, where Dak is your franchise quarterback. Carson Wentz is essentially a placeholder until you can figure out what the heck you're doing with quarterback. Do it what's right for the team, and right now I think the guy that's to be quarterbacking is Heineke. He's not over, he's not overwhelmingly good, but he's solid enough where it's kind of like okay, hot hands. He's doing pretty well. Let's stick with him. He did just enough. I mean, he he didn't light the world on fire on Monday night, but he was quite smart. He you know took advantage of his opportunity. He watched enough offense, and then with the defense, which was great on Monday night, that's how they pulled off the win. He's on being probably not, probably not. This is not this this, this is not the Miami Dolphins or the Cowboys. Okay, I give the Eagles credit. They're a very good football team. They might be the best football team right now. All right, but they weren't unbeatable. We all knew that. We all knew that. We knew they were going to lose at some point here. This was not you know like the Patriots a number of years ago. We looked at that and go, "There's a chance that team could really have gone perfect." They could have. I never thought the Eagles would lose perfect. I thought they at least lose two games. Now I think they're probably going to lose. They lost the game. I didn't think they would lose. Um, so, um, but look, this was this was a this was a huge, huge, huge win for Washington. We talked about this on Monday when we were looking at what happened this past weekend in the NFL, and I said oh, that that Monday night game was going to be a big. It's obviously going to be a big game for the Eagles. Continue to be unbeaten in the rearview mirror and, you know, continue to be that top team in the NFC. But it's also going to be a, it's gonna be a bigger weekend, a bigger game for Washington because you see what the Giants have done. You see what Dallas has done. You see what Philly has done. Washington knows that's the guy to They look around the rest of the NFC and see all these other teams struggling. The Rams, the Packers, Buccaneers, whatever. You know, you know that if you, to lose, and this and really it was about what is, is can Washington maintain themselves as potentially a threat? Could they make this NFC East the whole division essentially be a threat? And they did that by beating the Eagles. What they've done is they've proven that they can be good teams, and what they've done proved is that the entire NFC East all have a chance at making the playoffs. They really do. There is a very real possibility that all three wild cards could which seem inconceivable. And, and, and again, it's still a long shot, but there's a chance now because you see what Washington can do. Because here's the thing. All these teams have to play head-to-head. So you keep thinking, boy, there's no way all three can. I mean, you know the Eagles are going to make it. But there's no way the other three can all make it because they're all going to play head-to-head. Other teams are going to rise and, 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 and take advantage of that. And somebody's got me on the outside of the end. But here's the thing. If somebody's if around the league, somebody's other teams continue to struggle. Meanwhile, these three continue to do their thing, and if they kind of split against each other, maybe you know, Washington's one at home, Washington's another at home, Dallas one at home, uh, I mean, if you have these teams kind of split up and, you know, kind of hold their own against each other, and they're head-to-head, there's a chance they could all flip in. There really is. That's what Monday night proved with Washington doing what they're doing, that they are something not going to trifle with. So you look at this NFC, we've been saying for the last number of weeks, the NFL is 
seems to be. That's where all the consistency seems to be right now in, 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 in the NFL. Yeah, other divisions have good teams, but there's no depth to those conference, those divisions. You know, the AFC West is supposed to be this great division, and it, it, it's turned out to be Kansas City and everybody else. The NFC South has been a train wreck, and Tampa Bay is starting to ascend, and you wonder if the rest of them is going to fall right off about a team now, including Atlanta, who has played above, above water for a while, maybe when they shouldn't have been. Well, the NFC West is supposed to be a good division, but the Rams are disappointed. The Cardinals are disappointed. It's really just the 49ers in Seattle. You, well, you, part of you wonders if Seattle's going to be able to hold on and maintain it. The Packers have disappointed. It's been the Vikings. Oh, the Bears are starting to fall down a little bit. The Lions are, are defensively on a train You know, in the AFC, the AFC North, the Steelers are a mess. The Bengals have been up and down. The Ravens have down. The Browns, you don't know what you're going to get week to week. So, you look at the NFL right now. A one-team league right now, but the Colts, who knows? We'll, that, that, we'll figure out what's going to happen to the Colts in two, three weeks. On Sunday. But if they turn around, and maybe two. But you look at this, 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 this the league. It's up, the, the consistency and the depth of, of division is in the East. That's where it's at. But look, we're the Eagles. You look at Monday night. We didn't play our best. They forced some turnovers on us. You know, that's 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 it. Could have been a loss. They played at their best. They did what they, you know, their best. You know, Washington's always going to be kind of led by their defense. They gave them their offense. They played smart on offense. They played really good on defense. Forced some takeaways. Eagles didn't play their best. That's it. Could have been an upset. Now you turn the page and all right, let's go out there and get back on track. You don't want, you don't want to see Richard. Here's the thing. Yeah. This loss, it's put, it, it brought the Eagles closer to the Giants and the Cowboys. In terms of, you know, closer to the pack. They're still in, in, in number one spot. But now you look at the Giants, they're only a game back. Cowboys two back. You know, so it, it brings you closer to the pack. So you want to get right back on track. You don't want to see this get away from you, where all of a sudden now, you you know one loss turns into two real quick, and then all of a sudden you're you're up the path and you're in a dog fight. So very important that the Eagles get right back on track next Sunday um, and, get ball, and get the ball rolling again in the right direction. And again, they didn't play that poorly. They didn't play their best, but they didn't play that dark. They played terrible. So it was a, it was a big it was a, it was a tough loss for Philly. It was a hugely huge win for Washington. I think a huge win for the NFC East in terms of proving how deep that conference that, that division is right now. So, again, it was an entertaining game. It was an entertaining game. I really didn't think it would be. It was. I thought there was a chance it would be at least competitive in the Eagles, or competitive early, and the Eagles would kind of pull away in the second half. But Washington, you know, they get credit. They played their best football game. They played their best football They've really turned this season around in the last month. They really, really have. Ron's a very good coach. You saw what he did with Carolina over the years, with Cam Newton and company. You know, he's made some mistakes. He made, you know, that mistake with the Carson Wentz comment and, and, and things like that. That was not smart. But you know what? People make mistakes sometimes. But he's a good coach. Coaching makes a difference. We've seen, we've seen what he's done for the Giants with Davo. We've seen what it's, what it's done. I mean, he's got a flip side. 
when it's done in Denver, where Hackett is just terrible. And his staff is just terrible. He could be a walking dog. Yeah. He knows that by now. But, but, you know, coaching makes a difference. Ron Rivera is a good coach. That over the last month, how he's been able to stabilize and write this ship on the fly and get this team into contention. So kudos to him. It's been one of the tougher coaching jobs I think I've seen this year. So good for him. Good for Washington. Look, the NFC East continues to just be really good, really good. Um, we're gonna shift gears a little bit, get away, get away from football because we've done a lot with that. And jump into a little baseball um, here, because one of the big, the big sports stories of yesterday, and not just for the Yankees, because I, because I think people are going to think, why is Anthony Rizzo signing with the Yankees? Big news. Why is that significant? Why do you even talk about that? There's a reason why. Beyond obviously being impactful for the Yankees, and, we'll, and let me explain to you why the signing yesterday was so, so cool. First of all, well, this is. Now, again, don't want to put the cart before the horse, all right? But it is interesting what New York teams have been signing over the first two weeks of the offseason. Last week, Edwin, the Mets jump ahead to Edwin Diaz, a $102 million contract, which blows the market up for the Like, you blow past Chapman, who had the, the record for a Levers contract in terms of pay. Um, blow past that, and you give it to him before it creates the but again, we cre- I, I said this last week, I credit the Mets. You thought you had a chance to resign them? You got to seem like you wanted to stay. If you got an opportunity, you're better off trying to keep your guys before they hit the market because you might be saving money. But there's a chance you open the market that you're going to pay more than what you end up paying. So, smart play by the Mets. And the same thing with the Yankees here. Because you knew what Anthony Rizzo opted out. And, and, and a lot of people were wondering, like, why did Rizzo opt out? He signed a two-year deal with the Yankees. Right? Why would he do that? Two home runs at 75 RBIs. Remember, this is a guy that missed time twice this season. Missed a little bit of time in June and missed some time in August. If he had played, if he had played a full season, he could have been near 40 home runs and, and maybe closer to 90 RBIs. He had a good year. And the feeling is that he's one of those players that will benefit from the MLB rule changes this year when the shift is no longer the guy that really has been hurt by the ship. So the feeling is that his average and his numbers will improve immense, immensely, immensely once um, once the shift is gone. So, so you can understand why he opted out. And this is a player that's proven that he can handle himself in a big in a big market. Um, he's 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 played very very well. Very, very well in, in big markets in Chicago, in New York. Um, he's done very, very well. He's, you know, he's excelled. He's won a World Series. He's a great teammate. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. Everybody that's around him loves him. You know, again, this is a guy that everybody assumes, you know, first baseman on the market and a lefty at that, that he would do. That he would do very well. So he was very good in the market. There's been rumors for a while about him going back to the Cubs because he wasn't in the Cubs so much. So and the Cubs do have some money to spend. They're not spending any last year. So 
you know, there was this feeling like, okay, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a, he's gonna end up being a bigger sign. Remember last year, they started screaming on the market too. That's how There were more first basemen available last year. There were a few this year, but not, I think Rizzo probably, you know, still, still relatively young in his early 30s. Early 30s. And again, at this time for the Yankees, he'll be 35. That's not, It's not really a bad signing to get him on a two, three, even four year deal. It's not a bad signing. Much there this year, like there was last year when you had multiple uh, first basemen um, Now, that being said, most people figured it was, you know, that the, the Yankees had a, a pretty good chance at retaining him. Um, and there were people that thought they needed to because obviously who's not, and they needed him for Austin because he's a lefty, he's a lot of contact bat, because he plays well in the Yankee Stadium. But there was also a feeling that he, he's very close to Aaron Judge, that you needed to keep him. And now that they are, and they signed him to a really good deal. It's a, it's a, it's a two-year deal of an option for a third. $17 million a year. Which is not bad. They were paying him, I think, I think his deal was, I, I think he got like, what? And then the third year, if they it's a it's a club option, if they don't want to pick it up, they do a six million dollar buyout. So 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 technically, it's it's, it's forty million guaranteed, um, um, which is not bad. And again, he'll be thirty five because the full end of the contract. That's not bad. It really is. That's a smart deal. So <laughs> so you get him on a smart deal, and and. You keep one of Aaron Judge's buddies in the fold, and you have to think that's going to help. Now, the other thing that's there, there was a lot of talk on Monday that the Astros had identified Anthony Rizzo as their top free agent target. They had a hole at first base. It's not like they're going to bring Gurriel back. He's older. Um, that you know, and so it looked like and Trey Mancini isn't going to be coming back there either. So it looks like they wanted to go after Rizzo. A lot of ways that was because they could use a lefty in their lineup, and because they to hurt the Yankees. <laughs> They've already hurt the Yankees quite often. And I think once that got out, I mean, I mean look, I'm assuming the Yankees and, and Rizzo already have enough discussion. Once that got out, you had to assume the Yankees are going to go all in because you cannot lose them to the Astros. You cannot lose them to the Astros. So once that got, you figured you needed to do this, especially since you could hurt the Astros by making. So within 24 hours, the news comes down. They they are going to re-sign Anthony Rizzo. So Yankees take care of that business early, hurt the Astros a little bit, and um probably hurt help their chances with Judge. Right? Saying all the right things with Judge. So not going to be out, basically. I'm not going to be out bid. Apparently, Steinbrenner, Yankees owner, has had many discussions with Judge. Says no matter you know no matter how much we have to give you, it's not going to. And by resigning Rizzo. So I think, I mean, look, right now it seems like they're in a good place there. Um, and I guess he indicated to Judge don't want to wait around and let other free agents and trades happen while they're waiting for him. So the feeling is they want to get that done sooner. And, and, I'm, and I'm bringing that up for a reason. The fact that he said that he wants to get, get it done sooner. I think it might get done sooner than I thought. Remember, I had said last week. Is the premier free agent of this offseason. He is. He is the premier free agent. And and so so him when he signs that I'm a 
Because the teams that have the money to spend. Spending on other things. They'll, they'll tweak and they'll make some trades and they'll do stuff like that. going to be the spe- even though last year they didn't spend on a shortstop, I think they'll spend on a shortstop this year. Because I think what they want to do is they want to give the fans something because the fans will be mad that they lost Judge. So what they'll do is they'll go and get one of the shortstop. They'll go get a trade turner. They'll go get a Daniel Bogart. I think it'll be Correa. I think it'll be Bogart or, or Turner. I think that would be where they go. Um, and then they'll have their, you know, the young guys, that, you know, that are supposed to be shortstop, maybe move to second base. I think they are going to move Graver Torres. Um, so I think that's what they would do. And then they'll probably resign a guy like Ben Day or whatever. They'll spend the money in different ways. And then maybe go get a, a pitcher like Erlander or something like that. They want to appease the fan base. So they'll go crazy spending on a couple of free agents to appease the fan base. I don't think they'll go that crazy. I think what they'll do is they won't go get a, a shortstop. They'll you know, maybe resign like Andrew Ben Day. Maybe they'll go get a starter. If it's affordable, um, on the market, otherwise they will do it. They'll probably do it through trade. If, they, if that's the case, they'll be a little bit more frugal if they get Judge. Because they've already spent on Rizzo. That's what I think will be the plan. But that's why I said Judge is significant because if the Yankees resign him, then they're not going to go crazy spend. It opens up some of these other free agents for other teams. They'll be out of the market and it'll open things up. If the Yankees lose out on Judge, then I think they'll be more employed for some and that's going to affect the market. And, and it goes vice versa, too. Like, okay, if the Giants or the Rangers or some other team gets judged, that's less money they have to spend on other price. So it impacts the market and opens things up for other teams. So that's why I said Judge is kind of the linchpin. He is the linchpin in this market. And he'll set the standard, too. Because, he, he, again, you, you know, what he gets, I know positions are different now, but he gets, what he gets to determine what guys like Turner and Bogart and company get. You've seen that. Even if they're not in So other, you know, I won't say middle two because I think Rizzo's not. I, 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 Rizzo's not an elite player. He's a, he's a really solid, good player, right? So what he gets impacts like that next group of players, that next level player. When you, you know, once you, once you come off the, if you look at the tiers of free agents, you have Judge. And then you have, and, and maybe you want to, and, and if you want to some pictures up there, you can throw Verlander up there. Um, and then you have, you drop down, you got guys like Radon, you know, and then you got, and then you got uh, Trey Turner and Bogart, you know, guys like that. And then you drop, and, and maybe you can the same level as Rizzo. Um, that'll be the next tier. Um, so Rizzo gets probably impacts what Andrew Benintendi gets and other guys like that. They're like, hey, you're like your, you know, your 280, 290-ish players, maybe a little lower than that, 260, you know, guys that can put up good numbers, but, you know, sometimes they're really inconsistent. Um, you know, they're not guys that go out there, hit regularly 300, hit 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, you know what I mean? They can do that, but they're not regulars at that. They're not on that next level. Like, you know, Bogart's on that level. Trey Turner... Both of them are relatively young. Younger than Bogars, but 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 you're both still relatively young. Um, 
but I mean, but yeah. So that's so Rizzo in a lot of ways was what happened after the market. It's just in a reasonable, a reasonable area. You know, a lot of times you see guys get. You know, last week you see Armand Diaz sign, and always around the week I'm like, oh god, now all of a sudden it's a huge amount of money again. You know, and then you see people like Nestor with Rizzo, and then there's a lot of older people that go, okay, that's reasonable. We can, you know, that's doable for that kind of. Set the market down in a reasonable area. You might see some more free agents sign quicker because there's going to be a lot of teams that are willing to give a deal like Rizzo got yesterday to a lot of those kind of players. That might accelerate the market because what usually slows down the market is when players, when, you know, if they get signed for like huge amounts of money, usually. And they outbid themselves essentially. You know, they throw too much money out there, and then they blow the doors off of, 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 the, of the price tag. And then all of a sudden, the market set at such a high level that no, uh, most of the teams aren't comfortable with that. And, and then everything goes to a snail pace because teams are like, "Okay, we gotta wait for the price tag." I'm not. And then, the, and then the waiting game begins. So the fact that last week you had that deal for Aaron Diaz which raised the reliever market up was probably peeled a lot of owners and general managers. But then you had this Rizzo deal yesterday that kind of brought the market down a little bit. And maybe, like, especially for some of these position players, now you're going to see a lot of teams go out there and play a little bit because they're going to say, hey, I can, I can live this, I, 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 I'm, I'm, on this level. I can live with these price tags. So you might see the market accelerate. So that's why I think yesterday's, uh, you know, signing of Rizzo was important. It kind of puts the market in a it's a reasonable price tag. And that kind of sets a standard for that kind of player. A fairly decent position player. The position player market we could see accelerate because of what happened with Rizzo yesterday. We think we could see some more signings quicker. All right? And the fact that we've had two impactful players, Diaz now Rizzo, sign early means that maybe this market is going to move fast. Especially the position player market, like I said, could be a reasonable price tag for other players as well. And I do think now, based on what I heard Hans Steinberg say yesterday and the fact that they're so aggressive in getting Rizzo signed, that Judge could sign quicker. I thought originally we might not see Judge sign for around Christmas. Now I could see a scenario where the Judge is signed either right before the winter meetings or right after the winter meetings. A couple weeks earlier is possible now. Because I don't think the Yankees are going to want to see, or any team really, Giants, whoever's going to be in the market for Judge. I don't think any one of these teams are going to want to see. You know, a bunch of pieces come off the market, free agents and trade-wise, while they're waiting for Judge. And if the market does accelerate, it looks like it might, especially with what happened with Rizzo yesterday, then that might force, you know, some of these teams to kind of get Judge and all the and like, look, we really want you. And maybe the Yankees will do that, too. You know, uh, anybody that's in the Judge market might say, look, you know, this market looks like it's about to accelerate, or maybe you start seeing some free agent signs. Because it does seem like that might be where we're going. That this market might accelerate a little bit now after Rizzo yesterday. Um, you know, you might these general managers might say, "Hey, Aaron, look, you know, this market's moving pretty fast, faster than we thought. A lot of pieces are coming off the board. There's been some trades potentially. There's some trades happening. Trades potentially that are going to happen. We don't want to be left here with nothing. We need to know by such and such a day next year, or what you're going to do." Until January, because there might not be nothing left. So I think that 
what you know. So again, I said to you all last week, what kind of off season is it going to be? Is it going to be the snail's pace kind of what we've seen in the last number of years? You know, with that little growth last year before the lockout, because the lockout forced some teams to act maybe quicker than normal, or are we going to see the quick market where maybe some things happen much earlier? And maybe things pick up really big steam even before the winter meeting. Right now, it looks like it's a market that's about to that's, that's accelerating a little bit. So, if that's the case, and again, Thanksgiving's next week. Because next week will tell us if that's true or not. Already, we've seen two impactful players signed off the market. And Diaz and Rizzo. Because next week, if we see, if we see a, a number of signings, then yeah, I think it's straight safe to say this could be an offseason. With teams that are a little bit more, you know, certain about what they want to do, maybe more aggressive, more urgent. Remember, there was a lot of teams that wanted to do things last year that didn't held back, and they came out of the lockout. We thought they might, and they didn't either. So maybe that's a play here too. It's like, hey, look, I held back last year because of the uncertain times. This year I'm gonna be a little more aggressive. So this next week to ten days, I think, will show us really. It's already looking like it's going to accelerate, but we'll see. But that's why I came from yesterday. This is not just about how big it is for the Yankees. How we help them with Judge. All right? It's also big for this market. It shows that maybe this is going to be a market that's going to move too fast. All right? It's at the market at a reasonable rate for these position players. So yesterday was a, a pretty significant, I thought, a pretty significant move in, in, in the resigning of Rizzo. For a number of reasons. Hey, Yankee boy wants to get excited about signing. No, it's, it's, there's a number of reasons why yesterday signing is a big deal for this offseason. And it really put, uh, it was at least in terms of position players, a reasonable price tag out there that I think would cause some teams to move and be like, hey, if we can get some of these players on a Rizzo like you, yeah, we're okay with that. So, that's why it's a significant investment in We'll see what it means in terms, uh, we'll see. Days will be very interesting to see how this market picks up steam. Will we see some trades? Will we see some more position players go out on deals like Rizzo? I would imagine we will. And what does it mean for Judge? What happened yesterday with Rizzo? Does it have any impact at all? Because he's very close, but we'll see. We'll see going forward. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we shift gears and jump into a little basketball. Yesterday, the Champions Classic, we committed the usual election day for the way everything played out. But the Champions Classic is really like the big tip-off for the college basketball season. Usually the highlight of the first week. I'm getting it a week later than usual. And yesterday, my, last night, might have been the best one they ever had. This one I thought they were kind of getting, kind of getting boring. A lot of the same teams every year, and, this, and, and they're playing each other, kind of just switching opponents. It's getting kind of boring. Maybe just trying to get something out. Well, last night gave you two really good games. Or one classic that might go down as a, play, uh, as a game of the year already. Last night's Champions Classic and how great it was when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Sports Sprint here on this Wednesday. Good to have you all aboard. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. Uh, so as I said before the break, last time we had the Champions Classic, which is really the premier college basketball kind of tip-off event. There's obviously other things, like we mentioned last week, to do, you know, games on the naval carrier, uh, I mean, not the, on the military, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the airplane carriers, whatever. And, and that was always great events. They used to be mom back Classic on that uh, on one, and, and it it was a, a one point Gonzaga win. I thought that might be a really candidate for game of the year. It wasn't as high scoring, but it was it was a fun game. It was a really good game. It was a game of last week. Because you know, because of election day and everything, I think there was this like you couldn't. They didn't have any big matchups. Everything kind of pushed back. Everything was kind of a week later than usual. Um, this week you got a number of big matchups, including last night's Champions Classic. And as I said before the break, too, I, I, I gotta be honest, I was, I've been getting bored. I, I, I like the concept when they first did it, but they've been doing it for such a long time now. You know, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, it's great. The four blue bloods playing each other, they, they rotate opponents. It's cool and all, but at the same time, it's it, it down to the point where it's like, you know what, I almost wish that they'd involve other teams, maybe make it like an actual tournament, but I, I know you don't want to do too many tournaments to get the holiday tournaments, but I almost thought that they should be doing I was like a refresh of this thing or something, or maybe invite other blue bloods in or something. I don't know. But when you thought you were getting bored, last night they gave you two really good basketball. Now, obviously, the first game was better than the second, but even the second game against Duke and Kansas, I thought, was really good. Um, a game that Kansas won without Bill South. Remember the suspension um, of Bill South because in the first four games. Um, you know, um, Because for most people, this is their first exposure to John Shire as a Duke head coach. First time you're, you know, on, on national stage, you've seen you know, Duke team, coach, not coach, like I said, team, what, 30, 40 years. So it was obviously just, it was just kind of weird. If you watch the game, it was very weird to see because Duke, Duke games last week were all cupcake kind of games and they weren't on TV. At least not where I live. Um, but it was weird to see, um, to see, uh, you know, John Shire on the sideline and not, um, not Mike Krzyzewski. But, uh, Duke had the lead late, and then Kansas rallied. And that's kind of Kansas' way, right? We learned that with Kansas. They like to come from behind. And they did that, and they beat Duke 69-64. Uh, Darren Wilson with 25 points was very good last night. Uh, Duke, um, you know, solid. Kyle Filipowski was good with 17 points at, uh, at center. But otherwise, they really, you know, I think at, at, at times in this game, they struggled to score. Kansas clamped down late on defense, and a good solid win for Kansas. Again, yeah, both teams are going to be fine. Both teams are going to be top teams in the country. Um, you play these, this Champions Classic. You know, you lose the game. You really, you play... This don't, when we talk all the time about playing people in the conference, yeah, it sucks to lose. You want to win those games. But one of the things is, even in a loss, you were. In a win, you were. In a loss, you were. Wins are great. And you learn something from them, too, right? But, and it builds your confidence, but the losses are good, too, because you, it gives you a, a you, you know, you know you're not, it's November, you know you're going to grow, you're going to get better, you know, you're, you know, you, you know that, you know you're not, you're not where you're going to be, you're still, it's, it's college basketball, you're developing as a team, even in pro basketball, you're developing as a team, so this gives you an idea of what you need to work on, it's a litmus test, see where you're at, how far along are you, when you go play these kind of good teams early on, 
know, where you lie, what you need to really work on. Um, I've said this for a number, a, a number of, of years. You know, Gonzaga, I, I think Gonzaga needs to start, and now this Big East, which I've said for a long time. I'm surprised they haven't done it. But, you know, the Zodic comment, yeah, they play each other in a non-conference. They play, they play people in a non-conference. But then they don't play anybody in January February. They essentially take two months off. By the time they start playing people in the tournament, it's not because they forgot how to play against really good basketball teams. They're a team that converts their components to a big power conference. conference. I think they'd be fine there. Or hey, saying, hey, maybe like some other teams, you know, play a really good team in January. Like maybe getting Kentucky or Michigan State or somebody to come play them at the end of January just to kind of break things up a little bit to see where you're at. Um, that being said, these games are great because, you know, that's why you look at Tom Izzo. Look at Michigan State. Look at all the good teams that play in their conference. Yeah, they might come out and only be like, you know, they might, you know, they might drop a, a number of games early in the season. Go into, they might go into their conference uh, with five or six losses. But, you know, you're going to sit there and go, all right, well, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember, you know, the lessons I learned from these losses. And it's going to make you a better team in your conference in February and in March when you're, when you're playing teams. It's going to make you a better team. So, remember, it's a long season. You know, I think college ball, where five or six losses, your season's done. So, I, you know, I give like, these teams credit for playing each other. I give these teams credit for playing the schedule that they do. Yeah, I say, well, it's easy for them because they can schedule anybody because of the, I, I understand that. But I also think that there are some teams you can go out there, I, you know, middle, middle of the road kind of power conference teams, some even make the schedule. And, 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 you know, make it make an, an impact and, and learn and, you know, grow. And, I mean, you saw that last week with a number of teams, the major teams that played against some mid middle-tier kind of power conference. They actually got some wins. So, last like I said, big win for Kansas. Um, tough loss for Duke, but they'll learn from it. They'll grow from it. Duke was, you know, there's nothing in that game last night that worries you about Duke. Um... And I don't think you go over the top of Kansas on the fact you know they're going to be good. It's like, they, you know, they come out and think, oh, Kansas is the best team in the country. They're one of them. They look good, you know. So, about what we expected, there was a win for Kansas. But the first game last night was where it was at. A double overtime, great, awesome, fantastic game that might end up being the game of the year or just early in the season, which is incredible. But sometimes it's happening. How many tournaments we're about to embark on next week? Um, a win for Michigan State, 86 77 Kentucky in double overtime. Michigan State cut off a tough loss of a when they lost by one point. Comes right back and knocks off a Kentucky team that, that you know, in my eyes, should be the number two team in the country, right behind uh, Michigan State. They got that much depth and talent. Um, but Michigan State beat them, and that's a Loss, um, you know, and look, Kentucky cannot hang their heads. Double overtime against a team like Michigan State, you know, there's nothing. This is one of those rare games where you come out of it like both teams played well, both teams gave it their best shot. Um, after she played, it was a private, in my opinion, probably gonna be the player of the year. 
We didn't even know if he was going to be able to play. Remember, there was a point a couple weeks where we thought he might miss a few games. Um, but he did play. 20 was fantastic. Joey Hauser for Michigan State was great. 23 points for him. Um, you know, Michigan State, you know, led Earl, uh, had a lead going into halftime. Kentucky had a great second half. Um, but Michigan State just exploded um, in, in the overtimes offensively. I just thought they, they really, I, I, I'm not going to say Kentucky ran out Michigan State just found just kept finding ways to score. They were kind of shredding the defense. The defense can touch up and down in the overtime. The overtime. I don't think it was exhaustion, but I, I it, it was a lot of ways. It, I, it was kind of like him on their heels a little bit. Um, but big win for Michigan State and, and a great basketball game, a fantastic basketball game. You know, sometimes you get these games and you classify them as good because they're competitive and they're you know, but sometimes they're low scoring. They're not as but. This kind of game that had a nice, a, a nice balance, right? But there was enough scoring there, enough defense in there. It didn't feel like it was just a war of attrition. It felt like a very good classic basketball game. That's what I like about it. Um, in a good venue in Indianapolis where, you know, again, Indiana, the birthplace of college basketball. So really cool. Um, very good game and very good event. Like I said, you know, this is an event that, you know, in a way you're kind of getting kind of burnt out. Like, ah, oh, you know, same. Teams are, but you know, you were kind of looking, you know, like for something like a spark. And you got it last night, two really good basketball games. Um, you know, I think last night was the best this event has ever been. They have a double overtime game start, so you're going to have a good day of beating Kansas. That should be, a, you know, it was close enough that it was pretty much down to the wire. I mean, that that's the best this has ever been. There's been years, in most years, actually, where these games weren't really even close, or you know, whoever won both games end up winning the game handily. You know, like, like eight or nine or ten points, there really wasn't one there to dramatic, that was dramatic about it. Last night, it was the first time in, in all the years of this event that both games had some compelling drama, and you had a classic game like, the, like that first game that happened. Usually, you don't get a game like that in this, in this which is shocking given the opponents that are involved. But, given the teams that are involved, I should say. So, great event last night, great way to kind of, kind of, Like last night, um, and you got some other good games coming up. Kentucky taking Gonzaga this weekend. I mean, they got some other games coming up, but now it feels like the season started. You know, and again, I don't blame them for the scheduling. You, you all know me. La- as far as like, the champion practical, you know, like I said last week, I think maybe what they should do is Veterans Day weekend should kind of be it for the college basketball season. You know, maybe start riding off with those games on the military carriers, whatever. And then have the Champions Class would be maybe like your Sunday night event. I don't think that's an odd time to do it. They're just doing football that, but playing different audiences. Why not? Um, I think that's kind of what they do. But, but either way, you know what? I understand election day being later and everything kind of pushed back. And, <laughs> oh, no, though. Kind of got the college basketball season going last night. And, and now it should be some fun. That's the games the rest of this week. How the tournaments start this weekend and early next week. And then away you go. And you have a good couple weeks there. You got some good non-conference games, some good tournaments. You know, things like the ACC, uh, Big Ten Challenge, things like that. And then it'll quiet down a little bit again, and you get into conference play, and then things will really pick up. So, a great event last night, really. And probably the best it's ever been. It's kind of instilled some life in it a little bit. I still think maybe it could use a refresh, but, you know, having a
he brings a better feel to the event where before it kind of was just kind of stale. Like a lot of these games weren't even that dramatic, you know? So when you get these kind of teams together, the Kansas, Dukes, Michigan State, Kentuckys of the world, you want these games to be good. You don't want them to be blowout games. You want them to be good. They shouldn't be they should not be blowouts. They should be good games. And for a while there sometimes they were blowouts, you know. Finally you got two really good games last night. So that I think that helps the event. It really does. You can't help it. You put the teams out there, and you're not, you, you can't help how it's going to work out. But the last, last night's case, it worked out. I think it was the best night this event's ever had. Really. Really. All right. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to hear from you. Your questions, comments, reactions, thoughts here on this Wednesday. We've talked some bas- college basketball. We've talked some baseball. We've talked some football. But honestly, there's other things going on as well. So whatever you got to bring to the table in regards to sports, Bring it to the table. Let's talk about it. Let's ask about it. We'll get into what's on your mind. We come back. You listen to the sports right here on back. To what's on your mind, you've heard from me. Um, let's see what you're what you're thinking here on this Wednesday. Um, ah, okay. Um. North Carolina, while still unbeaten, has struggled a little bit early on within their games. Uh, what are you seeing with them? Do you still believe them to be the best team in, in college basketball? And then you have another question for that. Uh, yeah, I, you know, even last night with Gardner-Webb, they, they, they struggled a bit. Um, you know, last week, they, they got off to a rough start. Anyway, UNC Wilmington, they played their first game last week. Got off to a slow start. Uh, you know, Carolina is... Always, they're kind of their way. Even under Roy Williams, you know, they were like this. This is kind of like their way. I feel like they're very much like Kansas. Sometimes they get off the slow start. Sometimes they need to wake up, like a wake up call. I mean, I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? They're still a really good team, a lot of experience. 
You know, the young guys will get better. You know, they're, they're, do I still think they're the number one team in the country? Yes, I do. Uh, it's well, you can't go by what they did last year. Well, a lot of the same players are back. So I am going to go off what they did last year. Um, I, I like this team a lot. I think right now, if I'm in Kentucky and Houston, um, I don't think Houston's the best team. I, I, I don't know if I'm there yet with that. Um, but, you know, I think they got the most talent in North Carolina. I don't know if always mean you're going to win all in the end, but right now that counts for something. So, um, but yeah, I'm not overly worried about them. I wouldn't take them off the number one spot yet. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, all that matters is find a way to win. And even if they get off the slow start, once they get it together, they look, they look pretty damn good. So, so, yeah, I'm not really worried about them yet. Um, you know, if anything, these kind of games, you know, getting off the slow start, having to, you know, battle a little bit will help them. Because you look at these games, you know, they shouldn't be in a battle, they should be blowouts. And sometimes people look at that as an indictment, like, oh, you're not Teams where you're getting off the bad starts or whatever, oh, that, that's not good. That means that you're not as good as you we, we thought you were. Not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily. Sometimes it's a focus issue, you know? But the fact that they're eventually they do get it together, you know, it's a good thing and they can learn from that. They can also, you know, having a little bit of competition, a little bit of adversity doesn't hurt either. Now, your other question here. Your other question. Um, which team? Week into the season. I mean, it's early. I don't like to worry about anybody, but I think they have to really worry about Louisville. They lost an exhibition game, and they lost their two for, the first two games of the year, and they haven't played anyone. And, and I look, I know they're not typical Louisville. They're kind of in a rebuild. New Colts, they've been struggling the last couple of years. Um, I know that. I didn't expect them to have world beaters this year. Can you lose an exhibition and your first two games of the year? That doesn't bode well for your season. Sorry. This doesn't. Um, I also worry a little bit about Villanova because they're banged up. This Villanova team that started the year is not the Villanova team that they're going to have probably come here assuming everybody gets healthy. One of their best players is banged up. I mean, they're, 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 I know it's not no excuses, but, you know, they lost the time. I said, I, I, look, I would say that Temple is a better team than people give credit for, so that's not really a bad, bad loss. But Villanova at full strength is better than that. But, so, so, but they're not at full strength. So I worry about where Villanova's going to be because, you know, the, they don't look great. Even in their, even, again, outside, even outside the Temple game, they don't look great. So we'll have to see what's going on. I am a little worried about Villanova, though. I am. I am a little worried about Villanova. I would say Villanova and Louisville right now. Um, and again, it's early. It's so hard at this point. It's early. But those two teams strike me at the top of my head, strike me. Um, so, the teams that to kind of look at and worry about and kind of keep an eye on. I know you addressed this question a week or two ago, but now Aaron Rodgers has been bringing up the idea that all, that all, uh, do you think now that there's something that will probably be about? Yes, I do. I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I forgot who spoke about it. Um, I don't know, was it Brady or Belichick? Somebody spoke about it. I, I, 
I want to say, I want to say it was, say it was a cult. It was. But anyway, um, it's getting around now. We're just smoke, there's fire. The more people that follow up this big name, the more likely it is that something's going to happen. Something that you gotta get the stadiums and the franchises on board for. So the, the stadiums and the franchises that don't have all of the rap, um, you know, they're gonna have to make a financial commitment. They're gonna have to get, you know, they're gonna have to go through the government to get, get the work done. So it, there's a lot that's involved with it. So it's not gonna be an easy thing to do. But I think that's where we're headed. I think, yeah, the fact that it's getting around now, you know, a guy like Rogers is now talking about, yeah, I do think. Is done about it now, and I think it should. Now, the amount of injuries and leg injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, I think something does need to be done. I do. I really do, and I, and I said that before people start talking about it. I just said that we were talking about the show. But, but it is something that I've always mentioned to other people off the air, and, and yeah, I think the fact that it's getting talked about so often now, and names are there, and Rogers are bringing it up, yeah, so I think something's going to get done. I don't know how long it's going to take for it to get done. Yeah. It's probably usually pretty quick once things start to get done. So, I mean, again, you have to do this stuff in the off-season. You know what I mean? So, you know, something that maybe, like, you know, by around Super Bowl week when the league gets together, start talking about what's going to happen beyond the Super Bowl in the off-season. Maybe they start the spirit, they start getting that process going there. And they say, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. You know, teams that don't have all grass in their arenas and their building. Might want to start to think about We want to start doing all grass and arenas. You know, it's something that we might want to start, start addressing that and get working through that. But, but yeah, I do think something's going to be done about it. I do. And I think something, it's long past time something is done about it. For sure. Your thoughts on the manager of the year winners? Um... Um, honestly, I didn't like either one of them. And I, and I do have an, and, and you know what, I, 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 I don't like it. Now, there have been times when they haven't done this, there have been times when they haven't given it to the manager, the, 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 the main brand manager, like the Joe Corys, or the, no, um, in this case, Bill Showalters, Terry Francona, it's because of Or, or or you're a man a manager has an all star level team, you know, it's easy for you to win games. We're not gonna give you any games. Even despite you even if you, you did something that was worthy of getting it. Um but sometimes but there's all, there are times there are times though when they do give it to somebody just because of who they are. So it's kind of, it's, it's always weird to me. So sometimes they do that like, Oh yeah, you're terrifying, oh yeah, you're Bill Show Walter or Billy Manager here. And there's other times where they're like, Oh, because you're Terry Francona or because you have this roster of all stars, even though you, you had you, you had to manage them together, you had to manage their egos, you had to manage their personalities, even though there were struggles throughout the year, and you did something that was worthy of managing, you were not going to do it because you just did your roster too good. Those kind of things do happen. That's a personal thing. It's all over the map in terms of how they look at this. But what I don't like is that you look around the league, okay? I'm not saying, but I love Buck Schultz. Buck Schultz is one of my favorite managers. If not my favorite manager, I love Buck Schultz. 
baseball could be made of the year every year. But should he have been this year? In the National League? Uh, teams like the Phillies? You know, Rob Thompson come in and, 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 and take on that role in June and surge into the playoff. I, I know playoffs don't count. They do the most for the but just the regular season run by the Phillies. Or how about the regular season run by the Braves? How about the Braves trying to last year? So I can understand that. But, you know, that, that's even more worthy than, than Showalter this year. Or look at the Padres and what was done with them this year. With all the, injury, with the, injury, with the injuries they had and, and then the That they did, and having to keep that team together down the stretch. Think about, think about that team. To me, Rob Thompson's the one that probably should have gotten it. That was that. that, that I, I, again, I like Buck. I don't know, I think Buck should be in attention. But that, you look at that Mets team, they were supposed to have a good year. And again, I know that, that, that you should, I just got done saying you shouldn't hold that against the team. Like, oh, look at the Rock. Be why a guy doesn't win manager here. All right, but 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 again, when you look at the, the, look at the National League, look at the job Rob Thompson had to take over a team in June that was struggling, that was lifeless, and then <laughs> came into the playoffs. To me, that's a, be a better job, man. Uh, uh, that that somebody that should get manager here or a buck. Who again had a great year, but. You know, nobody thought much of the Phillies. We thought more of the Mets. They had to pull the Phillies out from the abyss. The Mets were leading the division all year at the end of the season. So, a little bit different. So, I would have went with Rob Thompson there. And then, yeah, in the American League, I love... I, 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 I can understand a little bit more. This Cleveland team, and I think that was a little more justified, because this Cleveland team was not supposed to do much of anything. Very young team. Not a whole lot there. Other than Jose Ramirez. They were a team that in a lot of ways was out of it in June. They got a little bit high, and then they got they turned it real out, really on after the All Star break, surged to the front of the division, and never looked back. So I understand Cleveland. Okay, that one, you know, they they kind of came from the abyss too. They won the division. I can deal with that one. Although I do think that you would, I, I would have rather have seen it go to uh, uh, the height of the uh, Orioles. Who again? No, people thought they were going to lose a hundred games, end up winning what eighty games. I mean, come on, you know. But again, because they didn't make the playoffs, see that's the thing. <laughs> it's like if you have too much success, sometimes they don't vote. They don't vote for you. But when you have not enough success, they don't vote for you. So it's kind of like, how are we voting here? All right, are we, are we basing on making the playoffs or not? I mean. That's the thing. It seems like maybe the fact they didn't make the playoffs is what hurt Baltimore. Because I think it should have probably been high. I mean, when you when you're predicted to lose 100 games, you end up winning 89, and you're essentially in the playoff hunt. Well, up until the last week of the season, I don't know how you don't win manager year. You know, but again, I I can justify Terry Francona more than I can justify Buckshaw this year. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Um...
focus so much about the potential market for Judge. What about the potential market for the other premier free agents like Justin Verlander, Carlos Rodolo, Sandra Bogart, Trey Turner? What are your thoughts on their market? Um, obviously, with Verlander, I assume Houston will want him back. I don't know how many years they want to give him. We just saw that they won't go, they won't break, you know, from what they want to do. I mean, they, they've been able to bring in a whole new young core and fill in gaps, losing guys like Look, their pitching rotation's got depth. They got guys waiting to win. I don't think they'll freak out if they lose Verlander. I really know. Um, now, with that, with that being said, I don't think Verlander's a two-year two, two deal. With maybe an option for a third. At his age, uh, his injury history, and even though he has pitched very, very well the last uh, even though he pitched very well this year, you know, even though he's pitch well this year, you know, eventually, eventually he's going to fall off a cliff, so to speak. Eventually, you're going to hit that wall. And you know, a lot of players like to get out. A lot of players like to get out before they hit that wall. Will he, or will he just keep defying logic? Because really, coming off of Tommy John surgery last year, you know, you didn't expect him to have an, a, a Cy Young award-winning year. And that's what he did. He had a Cy Young caliber year. So, look, he, there, there will be teams, as long as it stays with a one, two-year deal with maybe an option for a third, I think there will be teams that play in that, especially big markets that think they have a chance at the, at the World Series. Because a guy like Verlander can put you over the top. Now, again, he has now. He has had some struggles in the postseason, struggles in the World Series. Now he did win that last game. He did win that last game in the World Series. The pitch well, he did it. Will that hold people back? I probably not, because they'll look at it as well. Hey, at least you get us there. So, so I, I, I say one two year. If I to, you know, even that, that market one two year deal, a lot of teams will be willing to play in that because they're going to say, ah, right, you know, I don't have to pay. You might see him get like a Max Scherzer. Like, there's probably what he's hoping for. Now, a lot of people are going to scoff at that kind of money, but the teams are going to say, well, hey, it's only for a couple years. It's not like I'm giving you a 10 year deal at that rate. So, you know, I, I, I think the Mets might play for Verlander. Um, you know, I think see the Mets playing there. I can see the Angels. Um, I, the Angel one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I think they'll do it just out of desperation because they're going to feel like, hey, our window's closing. You know, maybe we, we need Pittman. You might say, ah, we get a couple years worth of Verlander. That, you know, might help anchor us and hopefully get us into the playoffs and we fill things up behind them. The Dodgers might go there. Uh, you know, depends on what they do with Kershaw. Because I don't think they want to go after both hit Kershaw and Verlander. Have two aging pitchers in their lineup. In their rotation. Um, I think they'll, they'll play for, for, for him. Maybe the Padres will too because they always like to spend money. They might think, okay, a couple, you know, we'll still call for Kershaw over the top and then Verlander. And there are pitchers, uh, uh, pitchers, a pitcher from the stadium, so they might think that might help him with in the playoffs. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, the Mets, I think the Yankees, the Yankees may have played for him last year. The Yankees might do this every Houston. Um, my only concern is he pitch well in the Yankee Stadium, but, um, you know, you might even see, you know, a, you know, Toronto play for him. 
you know, they, you know, they could use a guy at the top of their rotation. They could be being aggressive. So that I think anybody that's a potential playoff team could be in play for him, especially on, on, on the amount of years. I think Houston will try to get him back too, depending on if it makes sense for them financially. Um, and it would be years. Um, as far as trade, my turn on Tanner Bogart, I was probably have the same market, so you always see, you know, you're not one shortstop, you're doing both. Uh, one shortstop in the market, you're doing all of them. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if the Dodgers really want to turn her back, because they know how much the money's going to be. I'm not saying they, that, that they're against it, but, you know, I honestly, it's kind of funny. I could see, because people are going to say, well, why would they do this? I could kind of see them going and getting Bogart. You know, now there's that rumor a couple weeks ago that, you know, if they decide to play for Judge, the Phil Pitts going to move with Mookie Betts. Uh, so we'll have to see if that's something that they think about. You know, I mean, if they went and got Judge, they do that, then they, they won't play to play for Craig Turner. So, um, they see Craig Turner with Morgan. So, um, they'd probably just say that's enough for Judge and go focus on their pitching. They need to get their pitching deal in order. Um, but I expect, you know, the Dodgers will be in play. Um, I, I expect the Rangers to be in play when they already got enough infielders. Um, I expect the Rangers to be in play with Verlander, too. They might tell them, hey, look, you won't have to leave. You won't have to go too far. Um, I expect the Rangers to be in play with Verlander. They clearly want to spend money. I don't know if it helped them. They saw it last year, but, you know, I think the Yankees could be in play for the shortstop. More so just with them. The Giants being playing a lot of these guys. Um, Angels, I think, might be in play. Just to make a statement. Um, they try to keep Otani, too, because they know this is the last year for him. Um, Padres, you have to always look at it, because they've been big players of late. Um, you know, like the Orioles might make a play for maybe a trade or two, because they know they're close. Toronto, too, so that's, I, I really, that's your market for any of these guys, I think. You know, I, it's including Rodon. You know, I think that, that these are some of the teams that you're going to see in there. A lot of these teams, these teams, these teams you know the teams that are going to spend money and be aggressive. I don't think the Red Sox are going to really do too much with that. I think they're ready to rebuild. And clearly, uh, I think Red Sox are like in the Tampa Bay where they don't spend because they have they, they don't spend crazy amounts of money. So, so I don't expect the Red Sox to be that active, quite frankly. But, um, but you know, The Pulse, um, Toronto, New York, Yankees, Mets. Um, you know, um, the Twins have shown that they'll be selective, maybe bring people in. Um, As well, and the Rangers, I think, have to, have to be a factor. And the Astros, you know, they have to think about first base. So we'll see if they can move there, too. But that doesn't mean they won't be something at other positions as well. If you see something that makes sense, they probably go there. So, um, next question is about Korea. I, part of me wonders if, I mean, I, I, don't think I don't think the Astros will bring Korea back out in Pompeii. Um, so I don't think the Astros will be in that, in that camera. But I do wonder if maybe Korea, to me, Totally looks like somebody that the White Sox would swoop in and get, and and you know what I mean that he totally looks like that. I don't think the Rangers will play. They've already played in the short market last year, but I could totally see 
Correa is the Dodgers, job, if you will, but somebody that the White Sox going there. Well, I know they got Tim Anderson, but maybe they move him somewhere else. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I just sense that. You know what I mean? It just seems like he seems like the kind of White Sox would go get. Yeah. Um. So this Um. You have another uh, question here. Um. I thought you did anyway. Let's see. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, that was I thought you had another one here. All right. I am in the same, you know, all going after some of these guys. All right, take one more. Um, obviously, you thought the Hicks was a late evidence by Monday night, but you, you originally said you thought the Eagles were a little bit after saying the Panthers. When you look at the rest of the schedule now, where do you think the potential is for their, their um, uh, biggest hurdles. Um, well, I am interested in this week's game against the Colts in Minneapolis. Because the Colts last week, you know, against the Colts this week is is going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, I do feel like the Eagles will win it, but you just saw what happened against the uh, the Washington this week. You never know. Um, then you got the Packers again. Are the Packers really back? Or, we'll, I guess we'll find out this week. But, if they're really back, and that game could be difficult, too. And you got the Titans. That was the game that I thought they'd have the hardest time with because of the defense and the line attack. Oh, it'll be kind of a slow-down, kind of possession game. I wondered if that was... I, I actually circled that as the game I thought the Eagles would lose first. Really. So, that one... So, the next three weeks are not easy. And then you got the Giants. And then, then you get the Bears at, at, on the road, which should be an easy one for them. And then you got the Cowboys at home, which could be a tough one. The Saints at home. Cowboys are at the road, Dallas. Saints are at home, which should be an easy game because I think the Saints are done. Then you got the Giants the last week. So actually, the rest of their schedule is not easy. So you do wonder here they're going to be tested. They're going to be tested. That's why I think it, it's imperative. That they win on Sunday against the Colts. They're better than the Colts. But again, you don't know what, what Colts team's going to show up. The one before last week and the one that week on Sunday looks like somewhat of a different team. team. And then next week, what Packer team shows up? Thanksgiving weekend. Is it the Packer team last week and that team for real? Are they turn the corner? Or is it just, it was actually just a limp on the rim and they're going to go right back to struggle? Because they go back to struggle and then you go win that game. They don't because that game will be a more difficult game. But yeah, you got a tough schedule here. Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants. Tough. And you gotta think think about this for a second. Again, this is not, again, I just feel like the Eagles are still in this position. I still think they're gonna lose maybe two, three games, max. Alright? And I, I said that at the beginning of the game better beginning of the show. I said I felt like now they're gonna lose three games. I think they lose two more games. I think they might lose that Titan game. I think they lose another game somewhere, at the very least. But here's the thing: you gotta think about if you're if you're the Eagles here and, and, and other teams in that division. Let's let's be hypothetical here. If you're the Giants, you're a game back. 
You both your matchups with them are still left. Right? If you're the Giants, think about this for a second. You have a real chance here if you play the way that you've been playing. Well, you're in every game and you're figuring out ways to win games. The Giants actually have a legit shot here. Because if, if, if you have a tough schedule here. And maybe, and, and, and you never know how this is going to happen. Let's say the Colts surprise people this week and they win and next week, the Packers, you know, show us out. We're surging, and they beat them. All of a sudden, now, the Eagles are like the Bills. They're, six and, they're eight and three. And the Giants are saying, they're like, hey, look, we're, we're already seven and two. You know, the Giants go and handle their business. You got two matches, but the Giants have a chance here. This division might not be over with. It might not be. There's a real chance for the Giants here in this division, even the Cowboys, even. I mean, look at the Giants' schedule. Lions this week is winnable. Then you get the Cowboys at, on, the, on the road at Dallas. And they already lost to the Cowboys once this year, so that'll be a tough game for them. Then you get the Commanders broken easy. Like at home. They like your chances with that. Then you get the Eagles coming into your building first, which helps them because you get it at your place first. Commanders again, which won't be easy. Vikings, which won't be easy. Colts, which won't. We don't know what that's going to be like. You know, if the Giants play the way that they've been playing, let's say the Eagles lose a couple games here, that last game against the Giants could end up being a big game. I mean, let's think about this. Let's say the Eagles go in that game with two losses and the Giants are sitting there at three. And, you know, let's say that the Giants have already beaten the Eagles. Let's say maybe that Eagles, maybe they beat the Eagles. It could be a tiebreaker kind. That, that, that could be for the division. That game could be huge. I mean, I still believe in Philly. I still think they're the best team right now. But these next couple games are tight a little bit about Philly, so they're going to be tested. They are. And you just don't know what you're going to get with the Colts. You don't know what they're going to get with the Packers. There's a little uncertainty there. But those two teams... If we, if we see it, you know, if the Colts have turned things around, the Packers have turned things around, boy, the Eagles could be staring at something a little bit different in a couple of weeks. They really could. Alright, break. Right, we come back and wrap things up. We're listening to the sports right here on this Wednesday. We'll be right back.
Um, so here's the deal. Uh, as far as well, schedule. Oh, as far as schedule goes for next. Um, so, uh, I, we decided to make a little bit of a change. Um, well, I, you know, it's hard because I, I, I came on here committed to this and now I'm backing off on it a little bit. Only because I'm trying to have thoughts about it, but, um, so, one of the things that people expressed to me over the last couple of days, and this is actually coming from a because obviously, it kind of got screwed over back in September, because we, we had to cancel a show, and eventually um, but, you know, wrestling fans know that next week is Survivor Series for WWE. So we're we are always going to do a wrestling show next Tuesday, right? Because we're previewing Survivor Series, right? Um, so that was always something that we were going to do. Um, but then, but obviously we had the post Crown Jewel show to do, which we were supposed to do last week. And we'll to have that tomorrow night. Um, but a lot of I had gotten a lot of mail in the last couple of days from people saying, "Why do a Thursday and a Tuesday?" Why not combine those shows into one show on Tuesday? And I, I, you know, again, I didn't want to feel like I was screwing our because I felt like we did it already a little bit, but but because some of them that you know were reaching out and saying they thought there was a better idea, they oh, we can just do one show. You know why not do that? Because especially since everybody in the world knows I hate doing two shows a day, that I'm gonna do tomorrow. So I thought about it. I came out here. I'm like, you know, let's do that. Let's combine and let's only do one show tomorrow. We'll do Inside the Ring all on Tuesday. Um. Um, so, I started thinking to myself, yeah, all right, let's, let's do that, let's, let's do that. Um, and then, like I said, in this moment, I started to rethink it, because I'm like, oh, do I really, you know, do I want to do all of it in one show, whatever. But no, but we'll do it. So, we'll make the schedule change. So, tomorrow, we're only going to do one show. Uh, and that'll be our, our usual NFL kickoff show, which will air at 10 a.m. Inside the ring, we'll once again postpone. What we'll do is we'll make that post crown jewel show, we'll take that post crown jewel show, and combine it with our our, our Survivor Series preview show. So we're gonna do one big massive wrestling show on Tuesday, okay? And we'll still give you your post, obviously post Survivor Series show. So, um, so since people wanted that, we'll. So I got enough people that said they wanted that. We'll give it to you. So. Tomorrow, there will be no inside the ring. We'll just be NFL kickoff. 10 a.m. Eastern time. Obviously, we have our, our usual sports fit on Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and then we'll do next week um, inside the ring, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. 
Survivor Series preview show all in one. Okay. Now, what about the wrestling matches? Everybody's been asking me, Thanksgiving, like, what are you going to do? How are we going to do this? Obviously, we won't do a show on Thanksgiving. We won't do a show on Black Friday. Thursday and Friday are out. And I also say Wednesday night is out because it's the night before Thanksgiving and people are off. My issue is Wednesday, you know, I got people on all sides of the fence. That's what I've dealt with for years. People, there are people that say, why not do a show on Wednesday? Why not do a show on Wednesday? If people are traveling, they can listen to you as they travel. All right, why, why worry about the fact that it's a travel? Because that's one of the things I've always avoided. Well, on Wednesday, I don't want to do a show because it's a travel day. So that's always avoided. Well, it's a travel day. Just do the show. Who cares? Just do the show. But, so I've always avoided it. I want to try to avoid it. And here's why. Because I think we have, there is a way to fit everything in next week and not have a problem. Okay? There is a way. Here's what we're going to do next week. Okay? Because also what's going to happen is this. We're going to end up with three shows in two days next week. Alright? Even though I'm avoiding doing two shows tomorrow, we're going to do two shows this is the way it's going to be. There's no other way around it. Because I really, I know people don't mind the idea of Wednesday. I just don't like the idea of Wednesday. I just don't. I just don't. So, the plan, the plan, for next, we will have a sports clip on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Remember sports clip. Okay. That'll be our last regular sports clip before the Thanksgiving break. Okay, because on Tuesday, it won't be, it won't be a regular sports day. Okay. Tuesday morning, 10 a.m., we'll have a NFL kickoff show. Okay, so it'll be a little different next week. Right, we'll be able to talk about Monday football on Tuesday, and we'll do our usual stuff, okay? So, we're doing that Thursday, we'll be doing that Tuesday. That's the only time we'll do that all year, I guess. Yeah, but just, you know, that's obviously circumstances, the holiday, okay? Then Tuesday night, Inside the Ring, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, that'll be called our post-crown show, Inner Survivor Series preview show combined, okay? So, right now, that's how we're going to do it. Monday, Sports Print, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday, Sports Print, NFL, kickoff, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Inside the Ring, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, 10 a.m. That's the plan for next week, for Monday and Tuesday of next week, okay? So, as of right now, there'll be no shows on Wednesday. Wednesday, I'll do it. Wednesday will kind of be a backup thing in case we have to Sometimes things pop up with the kids and all this other stuff. If I have some kind of conflict, then we have to cancel some, a show on Monday or so on Tuesday, then that leaves us with Wednesday as kind of a backup day. And I would like to avoid Wednesday. If I can't, we can move something to Wednesday and make up a different component for the holiday. Okay? So Wednesday is kind of like a, like a, a float day, if you will. Okay? But obviously, no matter what the circumstances, there will be no shows at all on Thursday, no shows at all on Friday. And we'll resume our normal schedule the following Monday with a sports plan at 10 a.m. Okay? That's the current plan right now. And again, if anything changes, we'll let you know. And, you know, the advantage we're going to have is if we have to make any changes to Monday or Tuesday, you know, like a postponed or something, we'll have Wednesday in our back pocket as a day we wouldn't want, we don't really want to use, but if we have to use, we will. Okay? Um, all right. Before I get into any more stuff, let's start, let's do our wind down process before I, I get a little too. 
people like, what's a squirm? I said, I said that a lot after here. This means kind of like, you can tell I just want to kind of get things going. Go, 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 no, this thing is going here, so. Um, that's what I mean by squirrel. Just kind of being like antsy and that kind of thing. Alright, so let's wind down. As always, it's because the show is going, tell me at the top of your right hand thing. The show is going to be here. If you're going to hear from your questions, comments, or answers from our chat room, all that and more, email, Facebook, email, comment, if you like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. So you can interact with us. Keep us going for show. So content, my friends, you can search for Sportswear on Facebook and Twitter to all of that and more. If you miss a show, if you want to, if you miss a show, miss a part of a show, want to check out so, any episode, any one of our shows again, you can do so in two ways. You can go to our main show page at speaker.com and search for Sportsbook. I think it's our main show page, or if you scroll down to the bottom page, you'll find an episode archive. It's in all the episodes from all the members of the show. the most recent page of the owners. They're all there. Just click on, uh, just scroll through, click on this if you want, and it'll play for you. I think it's that particular live broadcaster show that's ongoing. Um, so that's what you can do on our main show page on speaker.com. Or Facebook and Twitter. Just go to Facebook and or Twitter, search for the sportsman. Make sure you like us and follow us so that you can access our posts and tweets. And once you search through our posts and tweets wherever the date of the episode is that you're looking for, there'll be a link there or a link to a link. Sometimes our social media links are not what we want them to be. Sometimes they're not direct links. I'm Omar. But I'll just this a link to a direct link that I take you to that day. So either way, there'll be something there that'll take you to that day's show. Um, and there you go. And you'll be able to listen to that day's show. So whether you miss a part of an episode, an entire episode, want to check it out, or want to check it out again, you can do that. Either on a Sportsman Facebook and Twitter, or a Sportsman Show page on Speaker.com. So make sure that you utilize those resources if you need to. Um, as far as announcements go, we are going to, uh, we wanted to start promotions for our, what's coming up in January, as you know, we'll be doing different shows, different things. We wanted to start promotion last week, but obviously we had the death of the family, and that kind of put everything off. Um, so what we decided to do is we're not going to start our promotional campaign until after Thanksgiving. So, uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving, or Tuesday, Tuesday is probably more likely, after to build up to what is going to be um, the new stuff that we're going to be doing uh, come January. Uh, some things we're going to start in January. Some things we're going to start in February. Um, so we're going to plan all that out. We're going to reveal some dates. Um, probably the first the first week of December. I don't want to get dates now because of Thanksgiving and everything. People are just going to forget. Um, and I know... Obviously, we after the holidays to start anything officially because during the holidays, you know, people are going to be doing other things or anything like that. So, we'll get into more of the details, but the plan right now, um, what our, our biggest project, our, our, our big move essentially for our new platform will probably be right around the Super Bowl. We might even wait until after the February. I don't know if we want to do it right before the Super Bowl, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm still debating whether I want to do before Super Bowl or after Super Bowl. Um, but in some ways, I kind of like the idea of waiting until after the football, the football season is over, but, um, but timing with the Super Bowl might help us too. So. Um, and a lot of the extra stuff that we're doing, like the Instagram stuff and that, we're going to kind of time with the Super Bowl because that's the biggest sporting event of the year in a lot of ways. And that might be a great way to mobilize, you know, um, mobilize people to you know, get, get their attention and whatnot. All right, so I mean, I know I, 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 I,
waiting for specifics, but we'll get into more specifics on Thanksgiving. We would have done that last week, but we're going to have the last day to kind of put things off. I don't want, the last thing you want to do is get into some things right before, the week before Thanksgiving and then cut everything off and lose all the momentum because of Thanksgiving. I'd rather wait until you know, after Thanksgiving we can build the momentum for at least a few weeks before Christmas. Okay? So we'll have more updates. Um, Week after Thanksgiving, we'll have some press releases, some stuff going out there, some promotion going out there, and then we'll be doing more specifics about how everything's going to unfold as far as all of the things we're going to be doing, everything. We'll get into all that um, right after Thanksgiving. Okay? I mean, we are putting it off a little bit longer than we wanted to, but I think with the holiday and everything, it makes sense. So. All right. With all that being said, that is it. Thank you for joining us. On this Wednesday, um, again, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Remember, no inside the ring tomorrow night. We moved it. So no inside the ring tomorrow night. That's been moved to next Tuesday at 9 o'clock Eastern. So all start tomorrow with NFL kickoff at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And then we'll have another sports on Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Next week, sports on Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. NFL kickoff Tuesday, special day, special day, special day. And So that's the schedule from here all the way through Thanksgiving. Uh, if there's any changes, we want you to know. Uh, otherwise, that is it. That's the plan. Stay safe. Stay healthy, folks. Enjoy your day. We'll see you back here for the NFL kickoff tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Another sports fan Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a good one, everyone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.